0: Welcome to Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Onaway, Michigan. I'm Pastor Trent Wahlberg, and you're listening to Preaching and the Word. The word for the fifth Sunday after Pentecost comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verse 25 through 37. And behold, a lawyer stood up and put Jesus to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down the road. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite. Then he came to the place and, and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set on his own animal, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii, and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go, and do likewise. When I was at district convention a couple weeks ago, I got in the buffet line for dinner and standing across from me was the president of the LCMS, Reverend Matthew Harrison. He spontaneously started singing Mr. Rogers' theme song, It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. And I, for some reason, started singing with him responsively. We went back and forth line by line and I concluded the song by asking President Harrison, won't you be my neighbor? I think Mr. Rogers understood what a neighbor is. For him, it wasn't an abstraction or a generalization, but each individual person that knocked on his door. His neighbor was each child that watched his show needed to learn something or maybe just needed a friend. Mr. Rogers liked to ask the question, Will you be my neighbor? It's a personal question directed at a particular person, and more than that, it's an invitation. Who is my neighbor? That's the familiar question we learn the answer to in the familiar parable of the Good Samaritan. You know the story and its lesson well, but like anything good and worthwhile, there's always more to it. Its meaning is very deep. And so I ask you, who is your neighbor? The answer that is frequently given is everyone. Everyone's my neighbor. And that's not wrong, not exactly. That's perhaps the shortest and easiest one-word answer, but it's not really the best answer. After all, Jesus' answer to the question, who is my neighbor, was not everyone. Rather, he said, it's the one who shows mercy. Your neighbor isn't just everyone broadly, it's not even a group of people, but anyone specifically that you can be a neighbor to. A neighbor must be particular a neighbor is a concrete and real person. One of the challenges we face living in the modern world is that technology has expanded our range of influence so broadly that it can be difficult to tell who my neighbor is. When you can instantly communicate with people on the other side of the world, when there are so many charitable organizations, nonprofits, and special interest groups, when there are so many people to help and so many ways to help them, We are able, now more than ever, to be a neighbor to anyone in the world, even those we will never meet. This can be a wonderful blessing. Just think of Mr. Rogers. He was able to make a huge impact on the lives of millions of children through his TV show, not to mention his charitable deeds off-screen. But Fred Rogers was a Christian man, and he was able to express his Christ-like love and friendship toward all mankind through his program. There's no denying that many people feel a very real connection with Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. But I have to wonder, as much as you may have wanted to be his neighbor, and as much as he may have genuinely wanted to be your neighbor, were you and Mr. Rogers actually neighbors? Since the advent of the Internet, all of us have the same access, and even greater access, to reach global audiences that... Fred Rogers had back in the 70s. You can post on your social media about your love for all mankind. You can join an online community and make strong friendships with people that you may never meet face to face. But is that really what a neighbor is? Is that what Jesus was talking about at the end of the parable of the Good Samaritan when the neighbor proved to be the one who showed mercy? Does Mr. Rogers' neighborhood count as an act of mercy? Maybe. But if that's merciful and neighborly, then do your neighborly Facebook posts count? You can see how weird these questions can become. There are countless resources and ways for people to reach each other these days that it can get confusing. There are so many ways to be neighborly that showing mercy can quickly become a matter of convenience. You can volunteer for any number of organizations with hours that work for your busy schedule, you can give your dollars toward your choice of worthy causes, you can take to the streets or social media and advocate for whatever the current thing is. That's great, fine, but it's not what being a neighbor is all about. What does it mean to show mercy, really? People will define it any number of ways, but the tendency of our sinful human nature is to justify ourselves often by inventing a neighbor that we already love and want to help, and then we congratulate ourselves for a good deed done. A lawyer did just that when he asked Jesus, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? This is the typical lawyer question, which assumes that the law can be obeyed perfectly, that we can do something to earn eternal life. It assumes that we are not saved by grace through faith because of Christ alone. The question assumes that I can do something to earn eternal life, or at the very least, that I can do something to qualify myself for such a great inheritance. Therefore, Jesus answered him according to the law. You know the commandments. Tell me what you think. The lawyer answered correctly, as you would expect from an expert in the law, and said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Correct, Jesus said. Do this, and you will live. But that's a tall order, and the lawyer knew it. We're told that he asked, who is my neighbor, because he wanted to justify himself. Of course, he recognized which God he was to love. Obviously, there is one God who is good, who loves us and cares for us and gives eternal life. Even if I don't love him perfectly, I want to love the Lord my God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. But let's admit, there are certain people I don't particularly want to love. Not everyone is equally as lovable. How much can I pick and choose who to love and be neighborly toward? Who is my neighbor and what does it mean to love them? You all know the story of the Good Samaritan. You've heard it a hundred times from every angle. But one of the most important details that's often overlooked is that the one who stopped to have compassion on the half-dead stranger had the opportunity and acted to show him mercy. He was there. The priest and Levite and the Samaritan all had one thing in common. They all passed by on the road and saw the man beaten and naked. They all had the opportunity, but only one actually cared enough to do something. These days, whenever something awful happens, like what happened to the man in the parable, or even a school shooting, people take to the streets and social media shouting platitudes like, Do something! We heard this a lot a few months ago after the shooting in Uvalde. Hey, congressmen, hey, governors, hey, lawmakers, do something, you over there, do something. Prevent this from ever happening again. Why does this happen? But this, this approach is often called advocacy. And out of all the possible ways that we can be a neighbor, I think advocacy is the cheapest. Don't get me wrong, advocacy has a rightful place, especially in a democratic society. Calling on your elected representatives to make policies that reflect your values is all part of how our system operates. But it can quickly devolve into something like watching a man get mugged and beaten half to death, and then standing by the side of the road yelling at the priest and the Levite to help him. Advocacy easily becomes a way to justify ourselves. We act as if we will inherit eternal life if we support the right things. Oftentimes we tend to look at our own people and institutions for help. We look to the priestly and Levitical class who are tasked with assisting the needy. And it's true that was their job. We look to the government, police, social workers, and even churches to do the work of mercy. And indeed, that's all great for them to do. But the unavoidable and often uncomfortable point that Jesus is trying to make with the parable of the Good Samaritan is to remove every attempt to justify ourselves. He said, you go and do likewise. You be a neighbor. How about this? Rather than posting about what others should do, why don't you do something? Part of being a neighbor requires personal responsibility, and that can be costly. So what can you do? Sometimes the answer is nothing. Sometimes there's nothing you can do. We are limited, finite beings. And as such, we like to preen and posture about how righteous we are. It's easy to shout about something or make an angry tweet about whatever problems are that you can't address. But we can't stop suffering the world by tweeting about it from the couch. If the opportunity presents itself, would you stop to help someone who's bleeding out on the side of the road? Maybe you would. Maybe not. Maybe you have. It's hard to say what we would do until we find ourselves in those situations. The point is God has placed us in communities and in situations where we can show God's love. Sometimes it seems like we would rather stop the impact of sin on the world rather than have mercy on those right next to us who are hurt by sin in their lives. Opportunities for being a neighbor to someone and showing mercy doesn't have to be something big and grandiose, like literally saving the life of someone who's half dead on the side of the road, but you can't stop people from ever becoming half dead on the side of the road. The fact remains, not everyone is your neighbor all the time. We can't show mercy to the whole world except through our prayers. There's always going to be people in need of a neighbor who need to be shown mercy and grace. We will always have the poor among us. There will always be people who are abused, robbed, and left for dead. Sometimes we will be the good Samaritan, but other times we will not love our neighbor as we should. However, there is one who can be a neighbor to the whole world, and it's not Mr. Rogers. Jesus came to have compassion on all people, even Jews, every Jew, Gentile, and Samaritan in between. Because he is uniquely God and man, he alone is able to be a neighbor to all people, and he calls us to be his instruments of mercy in the world by showing his love to real people placed in our lives. A neighbor is not an abstraction, but a real person with a real soul whose life you can really touch. I'm not saying that mass media and modern technology can't be used to show God's love to the world It clearly can be, but it's no substitute for the real thing, for real human flesh-and-blood merciful interactions. Jesus is a neighbor to you because he has shown you mercy by taking on human flesh. He didn't broadcast his love from the clouds like a beloved TV program. He saw you in your sin, beaten, naked, and full of shame, half dead. Then he showed you mercy. He picked you up and cleaned you off and treated you as one of his own, even though you were his enemy, like a Jew to a Samaritan. Jesus took personal responsibility for you, and it was very costly to him. It cost him everything. But by showing you such mercy, Jesus has invited you to be his neighbor and shares with you eternal life with him. As neighbors and fellow heirs of eternal life with Jesus, we imitate him and show his real love to real people that he has placed in our lives. Who is your neighbor? Really? It's not a complicated question. Your neighbor is just that, the person next to you who needs to know that Jesus has shown them mercy and has become a neighbor to them also. Because Jesus was a neighbor to all of us, we can say to everyone we meet, Will you be my neighbor, not just in word, or in posture, or in circumstance, but in deed and in truth, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this show. If you would like to support our ministry here at Holy Cross in Onaway, you can share this podcast and give us a five-star rating. If you would like to make a financial gift, please make checks payable to Holy Cross Lutheran Church. And mail it to us at 3786 Glazier Road, Onaway, Michigan. That's G-L-A-S-I-E-R Road, Onoey, Michigan, 49765. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.